much for joining us today on episode number 79 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're going to be talking about running and weight and the relationship that running has to your weight. We know that running is good for your cardiovascular health, to improve your fitness, to improve your mood, but some people lose weight when they start to run and some people can even gain weight. And so today we're going to talk about the relationship between running and your weight. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. So running and weight. This should be a, an interesting topic. Both of us have a, a good perspective on running and weight from a both couple of us, different angles. Yeah, both of us have very different perspectives about running and weight. And uh, I think it's going to lead to a bit of an interesting discussion tonight. So I think that when most people think about running and their weight. They think about running in order to lose weight or to get in shape, to help them to get more fit and to lose weight. I mean, I think that's why a lot of people get into running, especially people that get into running a little bit later, Mm -hmm. that don't get into running like through high school, whatever the sport is. But if they're doing it later, they're doing it to try and, you know, get in better shape, feel fitter, and probably on that list is lose weight. Right. And even if it might not be one of the primary drivers of them starting to run, it's probably a nice benefit if they do lose weight. Yeah, it's a bonus they're hoping for. Yeah, that they appreciate. So today we're going to talk about this from a couple different angles. We're going to talk about maybe, you know, the the differences in the, the relationship that running has to your weight because some people when they start running lose weight. I have a friend that told me, you know, running, I need, I know I need to start running again because it's the only thing that can help control my weight. That's how she feels about running. And then there are other people that actually can either not see any difference on the scale when they start running or even gain a little bit of weight when they start running. I know that sometimes that's happened to me before in the past. Like the, I tend to either not really lose weight or even gain a couple pounds. That kind of happens to me too. I, I am fairly stable with my weight, but when I'm not running, I just don't get that hungry. Mm-hmm. And so I don't just eat constantly and my, and my weight drip dips a little bit when I'm not running that much. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're going to talk about both sides of that coin. We're going to talk about the people that... I'm guessing are the majority of the people that like me that would like to lose a little bit of weight when they, you know, have weight, um, have running help them to lose a little bit of weight or at a minimum maintain. And then there are people like Kevin who actually, I mean, you said that you gain weight when you run, but you yeah, gain a couple of pounds at the start. And then if, as I ramp my training up, it sometimes falls back the other direction. But, but weight becomes something that you need to keep a minimum weight like you when you are watching your weight during your training you're watching it so that you don't fall too low yeah I like keep an you eye have on to consciously scale. try to increase your weight yeah there's a bar at the bottom where I can I start getting uh I'm more injury prone if you will right if I get below that bar well and that's the thing and, and there's a lot of people that are in your camp as well and I you know I I in a way not that I feel bad for you people <laughs> by any means because let's let's be honest but when you do express you know your struggle which it, I mean and it is a real struggle to to actually try to keep weight on for some people. It's some a real people, struggle that does not get a lot of sympathy from others. Exactly. Like, I ate dessert all every night this week and I couldn't put on a pound. Right. Oh yeah, there's going to be a lot of hugs for that yeah, one. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of eye roll and there's going to be you're going to get a lot of the oh, I wish I had that problem, you yep. know, like there's going to be a lot of those kind of comments and 
the struggle is real for you and for me. Like, you know, trying to keep your weight down below a certain number and trying to keep your weight up above a certain number. So we're going to kind of talk about both sides of the coin today and talk about maybe if you, if weight loss is a goal, maybe some of the things that you could try to do or try to add into your, your weekly schedule to make sure that you're, you're losing weight, um, the way that you want to. Um, so let's, let's, to start off, all right, there's several points that we have here and to start off, let's just start off with number one, which is weight is just a number. Yes. Number on a one, scale. It, it is purely just a number. It's the number effect. And then everybody likes to have a certain number as much as runners love numbers. Weight is another marker that you can check just like hitting a, a PR. Everybody wants to hit whatever number in the race. There's a number on the scale that people have in mind, whether they'll say it out loud or not. Right. But the question is, what does that number represent? If you want to weigh 130 pounds or 120 pounds, what does that number mean to you? What like, why? Why do you want to achieve that number on the scale? Is it a number that, that used to exist in the past sometimes? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I want to go back to the weight I was in... Before kids. Yeah, whatever. Or in college. Whatever, yeah, that right. timeline. So maybe maybe it's that, but you're probably a completely different person from that time. So Not probably. Is that number actually something worth going back and trying to achieve? Right. It's like the old pair of jeans that are in your closet. Like when we talked about... <laughs> our decluttering episode that we that we had a couple couple weeks ago um you know our what does that number even mean like so what if you used to weigh 120 pounds and now you weigh 130 or 140 like how much better shape are you in now versus then like how far off does that number really matter all that much or does it just represent something that you used to be or something that you want to achieve or some sort of ideal that you think that you should be. Yeah, I'm I'm sure you can look up online and find various celebrities weight and then put just a ridiculous number out there. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's probably not a number that that is necessarily worthwhile for you to go for. Mm-hmm. Also there's issues with chasing a number that you've got highlighted here. Mm-hmm. The biggest of which is muscle weighs more than fat. Right. Right. And and I would say that if you were to ask most people if what what's more important to you, the number on the scale or for you to look fit and feel strong, I would guess most people would say the second. Like could you weigh, you know, a certain number on the scale and just kind of feel weak? and not toned up and not strong or would you rather weigh a little bit more and feel better feel stronger look stronger you know actually have muscle definition yeah i think most people would like most people want to look good in a bathing suit like that's really what you're going for Mm -hmm. and they're like oh if i could just get to that number on the scale then i'll have it maybe maybe not but if your goal is really to look good in a bathing suit that does not necessarily line up perfectly with a number on a on a scale right and i mean lean muscle it might make the scale go up a little bit. It might make the scale not move a little bit. Like when you first start running and getting into it, your body, you're gaining lean muscle, especially in your legs when you are first start running or when you continue running. Your, your legs are getting stronger and lean muscle weighs more than fat. So even though the number on the scale might not be changing as much, you can probably start to notice that your clothes start to fit a little differently or you start to look a little differently in the mirror or your shorts or, you know, maybe your legs don't rub together as much. Like you might notice small changes like that, which are really the favorable things that I think most people 
um, want when they say, oh, I want to weigh a certain number. Like, they don't really care about that number per se, but they want to look in the mirror and feel confident in who they are right? and, and, and how they look. But it's easier to, to have something quantifiable to chase. Right. So they put a number out there. It's like, oh, well, if I can get to this number. But you're right. It's it's probably more likely that what they want is is to look the, the way that they want to look. But how do you how do you quantify that? So right. just like, you know, we talk about to race to your optimum speed, you know, it's a lot easier to say, I'd like to run a 5K in sub 25 than right. to say, I want to run a 5K my best. Right. It, it's too, it's too gray area. Or sub 23. There you go. Oh. So the weight is also influenced by your hydration level and your glycogen storage. And that fluctuates every day. So glycogen is the form of carbohydrates that our body stores. And we store the, that in our liver and in our muscles. So if, if we're eating well and we're eating carbohydrates, then our muscles will hold on to that glycogen. And glycogen also helps us to hold on to more water. So we are holding on to more water weight when we eat higher carbohydrate diets. And as runners, we need those carbohydrates. I mean, there some people are going to argue about that. But th- when you eat more things like that, you're, the number might appear bigger, but it's just because you're well hydrated and your glycogen stores are fuller. Yeah, I mean, you definitely see this heading into like a, a marathon or half marathon. Yeah, when if you, you carb like, load. Yeah, if you seriously carb load, you can put on like five pounds in the two days before yeah. because you're taking in huge amounts of carbohydrates and drinking a lot of water. So you're you're basically packing on a whole bunch of water weight. Right. And if you do it over the appropriate number of days, because people have told me, they're like, I don't want to put on five pounds of water. I'm going to feel like I'm sloshing out there. If you drink five pounds worth of water in like a few hours before the race, sure, you'll slosh through the whole thing. But if you take like three days to carbo load, you're really just hydrating all of the muscles in your body mm-hmm. to their absolute maximum level. And yeah, you're definitely going to put on some weight gain for that. Right. Exactly. So just think about why that number is important to you. That's kind of our our number one tip when it comes to running and weight is think about why you have that number. Is there a specific reason or is it just because you want to look better and you want to just attach an arbitrary number to that? Um, Okay, so number two is that what you eat matters more than how much you run, okay? Typically, it's uh, like an 80-20 ratio in reality. It's, wow. it's really, food is like 75 to 80% and your exercise is really only 20 to 25% as far as weight goes, like weight control. Well, I guess this makes sense. I mean, I eat multiple times a day, but I really exercise once. Mm-hmm. And that's assuming that I actually am exercising every day. Exactly. You, you throw an off day in, I, I'm not fasting that day, but uh, I'm still not exercising. So yeah, I, I guess that makes total sense that what you're putting into your body is massively more important. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, think about, you know, marathon runners and like how many times do you see overweight marathon runners? So if you're running that many miles, then clearly you're in good shape. Yes. But just because you're in good shape, like there are still people that are overweight as marathon runners. So it's what they're putting into their body, that food that's causing that weight issue. Yeah. Can we put a, a sidebar on this one? If you're planning on using running to lose weight, marathon training is not your best option. Well, marathon <laughs> training, it's it's one of the things that people kind of use, I think, a lot of times as an excuse too. 
People start to... Oh, I got, a, like, I got my distance run in. Now I can just eat everything in my house. They use it as a free license, right? And that's part of the issue. They're like, oh, well, I ran 10 miles today. Now I can eat this entire pizza. Like, probably not a good idea. Yeah, it's, sitting down and eating an entire large pizza is rarely a good idea. It, mm-hmm. it, it's You get the same thing at, at you know your basic 5K. Right. Oh, I ran a whole 5K. How many bagels can I fit into my mouth at one mm-hmm. time? I mean, the people grabbing like a half dozen bagels after a 5K, like you burned maybe one of those. Right. And I think that that's the mindset that a lot of people have is like, oh, well, I got my run in today, so it's okay if I eat that. And it's like... Um, it's almost it's related to the f it all effect you know (laughs) like there's a there's a fact right that you're on a diet and so you decide you're gonna you have like a treat and then you're like well oh well like i had one treat so f it like i'm just going to have the rest the rest of the cake right (laughs) right so so in a way it it, i would say it's kind of related to that like oh well i already ran 15 miles so now i can eat and drink all this beer and think about how many calories you're actually actually taking in versus how many you burn and like on a 10 mile run you're going to burn some serious calories but so say you burn a thousand calories on a 10 mile run on average right because they say on average you burn about 100 calories per mile depending on how efficient efficient of a runner you are right like someone like you you probably burn like 60 calories per mile depending on speed but somewhere around like 70 to 80 exactly so so even say you burn a thousand calories i mean you can very quickly eat a thousand calories extra in your day. <laughs> you could accidentally eat a thousand calories, especially yeah. if you start taking it in liquid form. Liquid form, right? <laughs> it just like, disappears. Well, think of you know at the when you end a marathon or a half marathon. I mean, almost every race now hands you a beer. Uh, yeah. You know how many of those are you having? Especially, you know how many bagels are you having with the cream cheese and the bananas and the peanut butter? Like just in your post race alone. I mean, it's, it was so funny when we did when I did the five k. On Sunday, I looked at my watch and it said that I had, I'd ran the 5K and yep. I burned 251 calories. Perfect. I was like, that's it? <laughs> you yep. know, because like it felt so hard. And, and that's another reason why the calories in, calories out thing doesn't really work. We're not going to get into that argument right now. No. But, you know, for, for a 5K, 250 calories, that's not even a whole bagel. I, I, Let alone if you add cream cheese or any toppings to it. Yeah, I know. It's you know? the, the post-race snacks available, but I heard a conversation. You were over at the starting line getting ready, and I was watching the girls, and this woman walked by, and she's eating a bagel heading towards the line. And her friend's like, no, 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 you've got to wait for the bagel for post-race. And she goes, no, 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 I like to fuel up beforehand. And I'm looking at how much food she was eating. Like, she had a whole bagel, plus there was a banana and something. Like, the amount of food she was going to take in before starting to run three miles was just not going to balance out. Right. I know that there's the whole calorie in out thing that we're not going to dive into, but there's still... It's not an exact science, it's not exact numbers, but you can ballpark it, that it's near 100 calories a mile, Mm -hmm. and she was taking in 500 before the race started. Exactly, exactly. Number three, I would say the the quality matters, right? Food quality matters a lot too. If you are filling up on a lot of processed carbs, processed foods, that that, those are a lot of empty calories, and you're going to eat that, and you're going to be hungry like an hour later. 
Yeah, that's. I mean, I'm completely on that one. We that was one of the massive overhauls to our diets was making sure that we upped not how much we were eating, but what you were eating. Right. And if you change what level you're up. eating, yes, love level it up. Um, if you change what you're eating, it just makes one eating's more satisfying. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to have the the not as good food because it doesn't taste as good. And if you're taking in good quality whole food, you're going to be able to wait a while before the next one because you are actually full mm-hmm. you're not just taking in you know handfuls of I don't know, popcorn with it whatever comes in the bag popcorn. like that's what was in the teacher's lounge this afternoon oh okay <laughs> that's, like, sorry, that's, that's kind of a random one to pull out there's a just like because enorm- popcorn's like a health food to no, some people <laughs> not this one it, it was like the cheesy one that mm. like it was fluorescent orange and got all over your fingers like it right. was that and it was the bag was like the size of a couch mm-hmm. and it was just sitting there and it's been there for a few days and it keeps getting smaller so I know teachers are going down like every lunch period and just taking some out of it mm-hmm. it's uh yeah so what you're eating is is massively important right Okay, number four, if, if weight loss is part of your goal, then you need to run hard sometimes. Not every time, but if you go out and you run the same distance at the same pace every day, five, six days a week, your body is going to become amazingly efficient at doing that, which means you are going to burn less calories doing that, which means you are going to burn less energy. I should just say energy, not calories, because I don't like yeah, energy is a better way of saying of calories. it. You're, you're going to expend less energy doing that activity because your body just becomes so efficient at it. So what that means is that you don't need as much energy and fuel, a.k.a. calories and food, in order to fuel yourself for that activity. Yeah. I mean, the, the more you do something, the better you get at doing that thing. Um, you know, you're... You are a newer runner than I am, so you still burn more calories per mile than I do. Right. And, you know, there's a difference in, like, our body composition, too, that kind of changes that as well. Well, yeah, substantially. But But going back to running hard. Running hard sometimes. You're looking at it from a weight loss perspective. From just a general running perspective, Mm -hmm. that still is just a fantastic rule. Whatever you're aiming for. If you're aiming to to run, run hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. Not every time, but sometimes you should be, like, definitely straining yourself on that run. Right. You need to breathe hard in order to burn fat more effectively because there are two types of exercises. There's aerobic exercise, which is more of that low intensity, longer duration that you can breathe relatively comfortably and that burns fat. Okay. That that's like the classic fat burning activity. The problem with it. Go out for a brisk walk. Right. The problem with it is that it burn, it does burn fat, but it only burns it while you're doing that activity. And if you're doing a low intensity activity, you're not burning that much energy off because right. it's lower <laughs> because intensity. It's low intensity. Right. So that's why lower intensity has to be longer duration to actually get you those kind of benefits. So you're not actually burning off fat unless your low intensity exercise is lasting like eight hours. <laughs> I don't know about eight hours, but But a twenty minute walk is not making massive changes not to making, your right. to your waistline. You got it. Right. So anaerobic exercise which is like the higher intensity training a lot of people like hit training now like the high intensity interval training you can do that 
with your running too you don't have to it's you know the hit training isn't just like burpees that you can do hit training with running as well also you can do burpees in the middle of the sidewalk off on a run <laughs> i mean everybody will stare at you but it's totally funny totally fine well it's at, if it's at like 5 30 in the morning though there's not many people out to stare yeah no but then it's super dangerous and i've got my like fluorescent vest that looks like something like i've just dropped Something's it on the sidewalk on, yeah it's yeah. sketchy but so a lot of research now is starting to point to these high intensity training um, as more effective at burning fat. And that is because there is a phenomenon called EPOC, E-P-O-C, which is excess post-oxygen consumption. So that basically means that what you do, like when you do these high intensity activities, you are putting your body in a state of oxygen debt. Like your breathing cannot keep up with the intensity of your exercise. That's why they have to be high intensity and very short duration. So when when that happens, you create this oxygen debt, which means that your body has to then work hard to replenish all the oxygen in your body and your bloodstream. And sometimes depending on how long of a session you do or how intense your session is, that can take, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, or even multiple hours to help replenish that oxygen debt, which is why they, they call that the, you know, afterburn effect. Everybody talks about the afterburn and that's what they mean. Is but like now you can be super fancy and call it your epic afterburn. Epic. <laughs> E-P-O-O-C, not I-C. Yeah, sure. It still says epic. <laughs> so... But by adding in these short, intense bouts of exercise, of running, a couple of times a week, that can make a really big difference when it comes to weight loss, if that's your goal. So is this running hard, or when you're hitting that sort of strain, can you like do like sprinting upstairs? Mm-hmm. Could this be yeah. like weight training, but weight training with like... Is it heavy weights or is it low weights where you're like really breathing hard, like like super cardio? Cardio. But right. you could do it as a weight training. For this, for, right. For this point, it for is. This point. Yeah, I've got strength training coming up. But for this point, you want to get your heart going. And so it's a, it's a cardio-based, getting your heart rate and your breathing really, really hard. It's not – because when you're lifting heavy weights, you should not be doing that quickly. No, definitely you not. Be, lifting heavy weights, you should do slowly and controlled so that you don't injure yourself. This is high-intensity – not high weight, really. So it's super high intensity so that your breathing gets really, really labored. So so that you feel like a, you, you can't keep up. So weight room is probably not the greatest. Like stairs would be a good one. Stairs is great. Burpees are great. Yes. You know, mountain climbers, any like... You, you just said burpees like, are great. They're, they're not. They're <laughs> jump, just not. Jump squats. Jump squats. Jump lunges. Like any sort of like plyometrics. Yeah, plyo. Plyo is really good for this. Perfect. Yeah. So adding those in a couple of times a week is going to help. All right, moving on to the next one. So meal timing, okay? Everybody talks about meal timing. And what you want to do is um, time your meals to fuel your workout or your running, okay? Without going overboard, because I I know we've talked about this one before, Mm -hmm. that that food is more than fuel. Right. Like, you have to actually enjoy the food that you're eating Absolutely. also. Absolutely, but as an athlete... You, you do still have to time your eating around your right. your workout. You, you have to think about it. You can't have a big, giant, delicious meal and then go out and run 20 minutes later. It's just not going to work. No, it's not going to work. So, But some people get a little too obsessed about this, I think. You know, people are like, oh, there's a 30-minute window for you to come back and get... 
the nutrition that you need and you have to have this certain carb to protein ratio and blah, blah, blah. And okay, fine. But more and more research is coming out to show that there is not this magical window. And really the best way to do it, if you are just running in order to lose weight or maintain weight, basically you want to eat one or two hours. You want to eat a normal meal one or two hours before your workout. You could eat a little bit of a smaller meal if you want, you know, so that you don't have the stomach upset, especially if you're going out on an intense run. I was going to say, there's no way that I can get an intense run with with a decent meal two hours before. Right. And then when you come back, you want to eat your meal one to two hours after your workout. Like, like within the first one to two hours. Like if you, if you want to eat 30 minutes after, that's fine. But it, it should really just be, you know, your workout is kind of placed in your day and you eat normally around it. Unless your workout is more than like two hours in duration, more than an hour or so. Like anything under an hour, you should just fit that into your day and kind of eat normally around it. You don't need to really worry about a snack before or a snack after. Yeah, so you're, you're going to end up eating a couple hours afterwards just because it's time for another meal. Mm-hmm. And, but that that one to two hours before, is that a precise thing? Or you really just kind of yeah. eat before yeah. however much time you need to it, then let yourself digest so that you can get your workout exactly. in? Exactly. And then then afterwards you eat when it's time for your next meal. That's right. really, that's the biggest takeaway. When it's time for your next meal. Right? Perfect. Like you don't have to add in a snack. Like you don't need to just start like, oh God, I have to refuel. Like it's not. Because for a while there was that push. And I, I mean, right. I'm not sure if everybody's familiar with this, but I, I know I've been, been told and mm-hmm. read on different things that like there was this 30 minute precise window right. that if you worked out hard, you had to like suck down some, some protein almost immediately. Right. And then the dairy industry, I think was all up in it and they were pushing drink some chocolate milk mm, like 15 minutes afterwards. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, if you are, if, if your exercise session lasts for more than two hours, you actually want to try to fuel within your workout if, if you can. And to have like both protein and carb, like drink or fuel mid-run is a really good idea. And, you know, if, if you don't want to fuel during the run, then trying to fuel pretty soon afterwards is a good idea. Because it's, you know, such a long longer um duration of of exercise and you're you're pretty drained like you're you're really once you get your body temperature back to where you want you're Mm. pretty much going to be craving food right and if you can figure out a meal Mm. instead of just opening up the pantry or the fridge and grabbing everything because Mm -hmm. you're starving like if you can figure out an actual legitimate meal that's probably a better way right so if you if you want to add in an an extra meal on on like your harder training days that's fine but then just eat normally the rest of the day and listen to your body you know eat when you're hungry stop eating when you're not hungry like don't think that just because you got this really hard workout and that you have to take in all these extra calories because you don't okay i got a question for you here okay so you say if you're working out for more than two hours, have a protein and carbohydrate drink or fuel something mid-run. Right. There's not a lot of uh, like running drinks right. and goos and whatever right. those things that have protein built into them. You're right. There's not. So are you? is it important to get that protein in there or is this more if you're working out a combination of like run and strength that you can get that protein in the middle? Right. Because I know that like... I forget. I think it was an interview with Alan Webb that like he used to do his run and would immediately follow it up with a weight session. Mm -hmm. And when they would drive from the track to the gym, Mm -hmm. he would like, he was shoveling in all sorts of like, he'd have a protein shake on the way because there was like a 10 minute drive between Mm -hmm. the two spots. Mm -hmm. And so he needed the fuel in the middle of that thing, but it's hard to get the protein during your run. I agree. 
um, because there's just not a lot of supplements out there that that do have it so that would be a vote for making your own you know that's one thing you can do is kind of experiment um, making your own little goos or uh, chews for your run Um, you can do that that's one option the other thing is you know just kind of keep with the carbohydrate option if, if you like to take the goos or the gels or whatever in um, and then just try to have some protein afterwards. But it just, the protein just helps to prevent more of the muscle breakdown. I'm totally going to try this over the summer and yeah. try a combination of goo with protein powder mixed into it. Yeah, it's just, This sounds both awesome experiment. and disgusting at the same time. <laughs> you know, I experimented with Stay this. Stay tuned. <laughs> I experimented with this in um, my training cycle before Key West and in on the mornings before my workouts, my speed workouts, I was drinking um, a combination of like coconut water with a scoop of protein powder in it so that I would get some protein and carb right before my workout. Right before the workout. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, did it, I think it helped. I mean, I ran strong. Yeah. Yeah, know? certainly. So it's, it's all just an experiment, an experiment of one, as yes. we always like to say. Like you have to try these things out and see how they work for you. Excellent. Okay. So that's what we have about meal timing. Um Number six is strength training. If you want to lose weight, you need to lift weights. If you want to do anything productively, you need to get stronger. Right. Like the, I, I was just reading one on how to, you know, continue to stay young, like build more muscle. Oh, it's yeah. going to be better for you decades from now if oh, you yeah. get stronger now. There's a lot of articles that have been coming out lately about aging and longevity and sarcopenia. That's like one of the words that's one of the buzzwords that's in the health industry now, which yeah, I, I know I couldn't remember it. I was hoping you did. Sarcopenia. <laughs> right. Which basically means that your muscles start wasting away. I mean, that's muscle atrophy. But sarcopenia is the loss of muscle as we age. Yes. And basically how people are normally set up for this and how strength training helps to prevent that and increase your longevity and your health into later ages as a result. Yeah, because you get big and bulky now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Something like that. Right. So if you have more lean muscle mass on you, you're going to burn more energy off at rest it's because your body just needs more energy the more muscle you have ah because literally on your body more like muscle is burning fuel and fat is not correct okay well that's a good bonus right because fat is just storage fat is just energy storage yeah so so it's not burning squat it's just storing everything right if you have more muscle on you even when you're just walking or if you're just recording a podcast you're gonna burn more energy off well i'm burning a ton because i'm standing here recording the podcast and doing nonstop lunges (laughs) (laughs) so running can help Build strength specifically in your legs. You know, you can see a lot of runners that have really strong muscular legs, but maybe not as much on the top, right? Like not as much muscle. Stop looking at me like that. Visible on the top. (laughs) Stop. But it's like after our our runs with my group in the morning, um, we meet with a group on Tuesdays and uh, we call it our rock star run. Like we do push-ups after our run. And I always like to remind people running doesn't build your arms, doesn't tone your arms. You know, it just doesn't. No, not really for most people. For most people it is not. You know, or your midsection, not really. Like sometimes it depends on the person, but you know, it gives you some nice muscle definition in your leg, but 
it does not directly work anything else. Like right. the your your midsection, your core, you have to have the stability there and keep the posture, and mm-hmm. your back has to keep you upright. You are in fact swinging your arms, but none of it is working to the level that actual weight training is doing. Right. So you really want to incorporate strength training two to three times a week to build that lean muscle, and when you do that, you're actually increasing your strength, which is then going to increase your speed for your running. So not only are you going to get the benefits of a better, you know, more lean muscle mass, which is going to help your body look and feel better, you're going to be stronger. And it's probably also going to help your running. Some people think that, oh no, if I don't run five days a week, six days a week, I'm going to lose some of my running ability. And it's just not true. Like in my opinion. I mean, well, you, you might have a different opinion than I do, but you have a great payoff on this one. Like you right. prefer to to trade out a running day for a strength day, and I think that it works perfect for your system. Mm-hmm. I would prefer to not lose running days. Yeah, but have you ever tried this? Uh, yes, I lose sanity when I lose running days is part of my issue. What if you just did a short run and then did strength training? And, like and I did that. instead of doing like a seven miler, you do like a three or yeah, two. Well, back when Rye was only like, I don't know, one or two years old, mm-hmm. that's what I was doing. I was cutting the length of the run so that I had time to put in a strength training session at the end of it. Okay. And? I got bigger and stronger. Oh, okay. So it worked. I looked better in a bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> should have seen me in a two-piece yeah but I mean we all know like so there's this term like skinny fat right like there are like there, so there are runners that are overweight that we've talked about but there are also like skinny fat runners like that are quote-unquote skinny by society's standards but they're not toned they don't have the muscle tone yeah there's zero tone right yeah you you talk about the skinny fat runners it, you see it every well, once skinny in a while fat people. there's a lot of skinny fat people there's a ton of skinny fat celebrities uh, i've got high school kids that i see all day long and they walk through the halls and i'm, I'm looking and i'm like "Ooh, that kid's pretty skinny maybe they could be good on the cross country team and they get close and you're like oh they don't even look remotely athletic they right. would be terrible on the cross country they would team. get blown over by a strong breeze right and that's yeah. that's part of the issue is it's okay if you're on the skinny side as long as you still look fit if you're just so skinny just for the sake of being skinny that kind of defeats the whole like you you're not pulling off the like classic runner body Mm -hmm. like people look at the olympic runners and they're like oh look at them they're all so skinny look at them carefully they look pretty muscular oh they're very toned but there are some that look much more muscular than others like there are some that look like skin and bones out there and that's that's also some muscle added on that's also a difference in natural body composition right Right. But even the ones who look ridiculously skinny, there's there's some muscle. And then there's mm-hmm. some that you just can't even figure out how they can possibly run that fast because it doesn't look like there's any muscle on them. Right. But that is that seems to be more the exception to the rule. You think so? I do. Okay. But I think that even in society as a whole right now, I think there's much more of a push for people to look more muscular versus just looking thin. Yes. Yes, it's like definitely even swinging. In, even but... in the celebrity world, like when you look at... Like, a lot of celebrities, they have the muscle tone. You know, people are always commenting on Carrie Underwood's legs and how muscular they are. And it's it's more of looking fit and toned versus just thin. Yeah, you actually, you want it to look like you've spent some time in the gym. Yeah. That, that's become the new, like, that's the look in society. For right. a while there, especially on the, on the girls' side, it was just how skinny can you possibly get? Well, that was like in the 90s when all the supermodels were so waifish. Yeah, everybody just 
looked like a broomstick. Right. It was like, okay, that's that's certainly a look, and yeah. it's definitely swinging more towards athletic, tone, muscular look, yeah. which is nice and and healthier. All right, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Number seven, mix it up, okay? Like this is a little bit of what we talked about when we talked about running hard, but how your body is going to become more efficient when you repeat the same thing over and over and over, which means you then use less energy and which means you then burn less calories. And like, so if you're going out and doing that same thing over and over, you're, it's just not going to do what you want it to do anymore. I so mean, this goes back to, to like one of our big things right. is you, it's, if you want to go out and run your five miles at the same pace every day, that's fine. You just have to accept that when you first started doing that, you were probably cranking out around 500 calories. And now that you've been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years, yeah. you're just not. Right. You're burning more like 350 to 400. Yeah, and so then if that. Well, and so then people, they're like, well, I don't understand why I'm gaining weight. Yes, because you know, I'm, I'm still doing the same oh, exercise. It, yes, you're still doing must, the exact same exercise. Yeah, and they're like, oh, it must be because I'm 40 now. My metabolism is slowing down, <laughs> right? People like to blame their metabolism or blame their hormones or blame their age. Everybody likes to blame round numbers. But it's maybe it's just that your body's become more efficient at that and you need to make a change. I mean, your body's goal is to become efficient at whatever you ask it to do. Right. If, you, if you do it repeatedly, it's going to become really good. Right. I, remember I read, uh, who was it, Meb? Kefleski's book mm -hmm. and he was talking about now that he's been running for so long and has had so many consecutive like 100 plus mile weeks you know he's up over there 120 150 he's like I burn something like 60 calories per mile yeah. now and it's like well that that stinks yeah, like it, you can't you can't burn off much right. when you're that efficient right so if weight loss is your goal you want to make sure that you're mixing in easy runs, higher speed runs, tempo based runs, hill workouts, like all these different things start to mix in different types of runs. Even if you're out just running and maybe you don't really know what to do, right? People are like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, so that's why I just do the same thing all the time. Do an unstructured fartlek run. So like we've, we've that talked sounds about, way too fancy. <laughs> Okay, so I'm not sure run faster do. for a little bit and then slow back down. Perfect. Okay, like if you're out for a run, be like, oh, okay, I'm going to run faster between now and that tree. And then when I get to that tree, I'm going to slow back down. And then you start slowing back down and you get your breathing back to normal. And then you're like, okay, now I'm going to do that again. I'm going to run to that pole, whatever it is. Like just start throwing in these little surges into your run and that can make a really big difference. Yeah, basically like imagine you're an eight-year-old. You know, if you get a couple of eight-year-olds walking through the neighborhood, they cannot walk through a neighborhood. <laughs> Suddenly, it's a race. Okay, now who can get first to that driveway? Oh, okay, now who can get to that mailbox over there? Yeah. And it's this constant up and down change of pace. That's that's fantastic. And you don't even need that every day. You can repl you can throw in your easy runs, but you know, one of my first bosses, uh, his college coach believed in change of pace every single day. Even on their easy distance runs, mm -hmm. they changed pace every two minutes. And just went from easy to easier? Yeah. yeah. Or every once in a while, you could take it to a medium, mm -hmm. you know, but it was still a constant change of pace. Okay. I mean, that's one that's one way to do it, I guess. It sounded exhausting to me when yeah. he was trying to explain it to me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and it was kind of a, a an older school philosophy. Like, he, he had some years on me, but uh, it, it was a very interesting way of looking at it. And it's still, it's why... Even at this point, I mean, I had that job back when I was 18, and I still lean on that and, and know the importance of the change of pace workouts and how good that is to build cardio. Yeah, for sure. All right, so 
for the next couple of ones, we are going to get a little bit more into eating and how eating specifically can affect your weight in, in both directions. Okay, so tip number one when it comes to your eating is to plan out your meals if possible. So there are some people that like to eat bigger meals, and if that is you, then you should try to plan out three, maybe four meals a day, depending on how high of a training load you have. If you are someone that doesn't like to eat big meals and you want to eat smaller meals more frequently throughout the day, then you know plan that out, but plan out enough of those meals to make sure that you're getting in the, the number of calories that you need to get in. That makes sense. Okay. I, I know you talked to me before about trying to just throw literally an extra full meal into my day somewhere. Right. Well, and so this people, there's some debate about how many meals per day is ideal. And the answer is you need to find out what works best for you. That's really the, the best answer. There's research that shows three meals a day is better. There's research that shows six meals a day is better. And now people, you know, want to do intermittent fasting and they only want to eat two meals. Like you need to experiment with this and find out what works best for you. So if you like smaller meals, you're probably going to want to eat more frequently. If you like bigger meals, you eat less frequently. So if you are one of the bigger meal persons, people, persons, people, you're going to want to limit your snacking outside those meals. And this goes back to what we were saying about after your run, people always think they need to get a snack in. These snacks that people have can be an extra three to 500 calories very easily. And that can add up. So that could totally be sidetracking your weight loss. Well, yeah, if, if you're just mindlessly snacking, especially, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you point out plan your meals, but I think plan your snacks, but that's really just because of the, my, the way I, I eat. Like I enjoy snacking. And but I, snacking then is, is almost like another meal for you. Yes. Like, and that's what I mean. So if you plan out your meals, so when you plan your meals, okay, let's, let's talk a little bit about what should be incorporated in, in each meal. Something when, green. when you plan, mm-hmm. yes, when you plan your meals, you should build it around fruits and vegetables first. Like there are some people that say half of your meal should be fruits and vegetables and then you should do a quarter protein and a quarter carbohydrates. Okay, fine. That's one way that you can do it. But that's kind of also based on your plate size. They've done research studies about the size of your plate and how that can either encourage overeating or help you with portion control sizes. So Another good way that we do it. What about the shape of your plate? Does that matter? No. Okay. So the way that we talk about it is um, our portion control guide is in your hand. And we've talked about making sure that you incorporate protein, fat, vegetables, and carbohydrates in every single meal. So if you're eating three meals a day or four meals a day, trying to get all of those elements in your meal is really going to help you both to get the energy that you need and also all the micronutrients and vitamins and minerals that you need to fuel your body for recovery and, and, every, for, and for performance. Everybody likes the micronutrients. Right. So you talk about putting veggies into every meal. Yes. I think one of the trickier ones is breakfast. trying to do a quicker breakfast yeah. with veggies inside of it. Yeah, that's where green smoothies are great. Green smoothies are good. Mm-hmm. Like eggs are great and you can chop some greens up in them, but mm-hmm. it's not always the quickest meal to chop up greens and saute them and put some eggs over like it's Yeah, it, but you can pre-prep that stuff ahead of time. If you have some greens and veggies chopped up, then you I mean, you can even make an egg cup in the microwave and that takes 60 seconds. That's a good point. So There are definite ways around it. Okay, fine. I'm just biased because I like my oatmeal in the morning. (laughs) So make sure that you're incorporating all of those elements in every meal. And you want to do 
Um, your palm size is protein, a cupped handful is carbohydrates, a thumb size is one fat portion, and a fist is a veggie portion. So depending on if you're male or female or what kind of body type you have, you might need you know, a little bit, your ratios might be a little bit different or if weight loss is your goal, your ratios might be a little bit different. But start with one of each of those at every meal if you're a female and two of each of those at every meal if you're a male, if you're eating like uh, three to four meals a day. Okay. Okay. So if, if you're eating more like six meals a day, then spread that out throughout the day. Okay. So I could eat six meals a day where I just have one of each of those portions each mm-hmm. time. Right. Because you're, you're going to need more like eight of each of those portions or more like in your, your body type, you're going to need more carbohydrates, especially with you trying to maintain weight or even put on a little bit of weight. Yeah, I don't know how many handfuls my breakfast is, but that is a large bowl of oatmeal. Right. <laughs> so plan out those meals if possible and, and limit or completely stop your snacking altogether because snacks, they quickly can get out of control. Well, yeah, I think one of the big ones on snacking is if you're snacking, um, pour out what you're going to snack on. Oh, that's Set huge. out what you're going to snack on. Don't open a bag of crackers or mm-hmm. chips and and say, oh, I'll have a few. Yeah. No, you're not. You're sitting in front of an open bag. You're mm-hmm. going to have a bag of chips. Mm-hmm. You're not going to stop when you're full because you're just eating chips. Right. So you're not getting that full. Right. Another tip would be to incorporate, make, sh- make sure that you're incorporating l- enough lean protein and definitely lean protein in every meal. And this, like Kevin said, this can sometimes be a little bit difficult. And so some people, especially during snack time, they, they'll um, reach for protein supplements. And protein supplements fall into two major categories. So there are plant-based protein supplements and then there are whey-based protein supplements. There's other kinds too, but that's those are the two main categories. Okay, so whey means it's actually coming from a, a dairy source and plants right. come out of... Plants. Plants? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, so the plant-based protein I'm, I'm powder... I'm looking at you trying to... Like, I, I know that that I put a scoop of it in various things that we yeah. consume, but I am honestly... I'm like, uh, if you look on the back, it says it comes from pea plants, and I'm like... Yeah, it, pea protein is very common. Pea protein, chia, hemp, okay. oat. You know, they, they kind of process all of those things and try to pull out the protein from those different sources. So is it... Is it as it's not as good as as actually eating real food because it's more processed just by nature? Oh, any protein powder is processed. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So it's always better to get most of your calories from real food, okay. eating whole unprocessed foods. So when you're talking lean protein, are we talking meats or are there uh, what other like whole food options do we have? Well, it depends on if you're a meat eater or if you're a vegetarian and vegan. And I think maybe that should be a separate episode. We can talk about that. But it's, yes. So Okay, so I'm not going to cook like a steak chicken. at breakfast quickly. Can I have eggs? Does that fall eggs, into the category? Eggs is protein. Yogurt? Yes. Just a cup of milk? Um, yes. I mean, milk does have, have protein in it. it but also not that has, much. No, it does. It depends on if you're you're drinking, you know, skim, low fat, whole. There is or not there's a good amount of protein. Quote unquote milk. <laughs> in right, there's a good amount of protein in milk and in, in dairy milk, um, but there's also a lot of sugars and other carbohydrates in there too that you have to just keep in mind. Okay. Um so yeah, proteins are eggs, meats, um quinoa is a good source of protein, beans and legumes are a good vegetarian source of protein. Soybeans, soybeans. Soy, yep, soy is a very good source of protein. So those things are, are good. Um, 
So back to the protein supplements. In general, you want to go for minimally processed, less ingredients, and organic if possible. So if you're going for um, the plant-based proteins, you definitely want to try to get organic because anytime they process these protein powders down, you're concentrating everything. So if they're not organic, then you're basically just concentrating a bunch of pesticides that you're then putting into your body. Yeah. And whatever they're, whatever they're breaking it down with, you've got those chemicals going involved too. So you want, it's obviously processed because it is a a protein powder, Mm -hmm. but you want as little processing as you can get. Right. And make sure you're always reading the labels, like check for all those sneaky add-ins because especially in the whey-based proteins, like I feel like the plant-based in most cases are better because they they don't necessarily add in as much of the chemicals. There definitely, I'm sure, is. But the ones that I use and I'm aware of, like all the organic ones, none of them have artificial anything in them. But in the whey-based proteins, especially like the ones that come in the really big jugs that a lot of the bodybuilders use, there is so much stuff in them. There's artificial flavors. There's artificial sweeteners. There's um, preservatives. A lot of them use like chemical detergents to like pull out some of the protein. I mean, it's some of it is really nasty. And there was like some articles a couple years ago talking about the heavy metal concentration in a lot of the whey-based protein supplements. So you have to be very careful when it comes to whey-based protein supplements. Um, and let's talk about that a little bit now. So whey-based protein supplements, they come from the dairy of cows. And basically, when they take the dairy, the milk of cows, they break it down and they make cheese and like the um, fermented foods, cheese yeah. and yogurt and that kind of stuff. And that has the casein protein in it. There's two main proteins in milk. Okay. Casein and whey. And then they, the whey kind of gets filtered off. And then they take the whey and then they process that and they dry it out and they make it into a, a powder. And that's what forms the the protein supplement this whole concept just is crazy to me because we make our own yogurt because we've got that weirdness going on with us that we make (laughs) yogurt in our kitchen every once in a while and so then to to thicken it up because you like the really thick yogurt we end up with a jar of whey right and it's this sort of like kind of slicky yellow liquid right i I can't imagine how you would then dry that and get much powder out of it but that's why we're not making our own protein supplement there you go So the problem is a lot of times these, they take the whey and in order to make them into a powdered form, they are high heat treated, acid flushed, they use chemical detergents, they put heavy metals, like there's it's some crazy stuff that sometimes happens. So what you want to do is either try to find raw or cold pressed, okay, the way that they uh, process the protein I should say like cold press or cold filtered. That's the best kind of protein. You want to make sure that you're getting grass fed if possible. Like you know, the dairy that comes from grass fed cows. You want to make sure that this, the dairy is that they're sourcing this protein from is hormone free, antibiotic free. Because again, when they take this stuff and concentrate it down, just think about how concentrated of a dose of antibiotics you're giving yourself if those cows were treated with all this junk. Yes, yes, it's a very good point. Right? So anyway, so try to find, like I said, cold-pressed if possible, antibiotic-free, hormone-free, GMO-free, and grass-fed. Um, I'll put a link to one of the uh, protein powders that I that I found that has that meets all of these standards. Perfect. We'll that sounds that much easier notes. than searching for things. Okay, but whey protein is really good because it it does can 
um, contain a lot of immune factors, including amino acids, nutrients, anti-inflammatory um, nutrients, metabolism boosting peptides, antioxidants. There's all these really beneficial things that it that are in a good whey protein. Okay, so there's a lot of danger out there because you could get ones that are chock full of all sorts of junk, but right. if you get a good one mm -hmm. and there's a link... There's a lot of benefits. Then there's super high benefits. Right. Okay, great. And the only other thing I want to talk about is whey... Um, there's a couple different types of whey proteins. There are whey concentrates and whey isolates. And I, I didn't really know the difference between them, so I wanted to do some research. So basically, most of the protein, whey protein supplements on the market are whey concentrates. And basically, that just means that they filter it out and that's you know, what you get. And any of these whey concentrates can be anywhere between 35% and 80% of a protein um, concentrate in in the actual powder okay. okay and the rest of that is made up with some fats and some other nutrients and um also liquid there's it's there's still forms of liquid in there even though it's a powder yeah even though it's a powder it yeah. still has liquid okay so that's the way concentrate the way isolate is a more processed form of the protein so basically they take the whey concentrate and they further process it they put it through more in order to concentrate it down uh, concentrate the protein down more so protein isolates are usually like 90 percent protein so better or worse it depends on what you're going for okay so there's a higher protein concentration but there's a decreased fat concentration and okay probably a decrease in some of the other like extra benefits that come along with this? Correct. Uh -uh, so there's okay. two different ways you want to look at it. So the people that um, talk about how beneficial fat is, and a lot of the fat is what gives you a lot of the immune properties because a lot of the immunoglobulins and all these um, um, immune factors that are in there are fat-soluble, so they attach to the fat. So if you take the fat out, they're also taking out some of those beneficial nutrients. So if you're really going for just 100% pure protein because you want to get as much protein into your body as possible, mm -hmm. this sounds more like if you're in the bodybuilding phase. That's isolate, right? That's an isolate. Right, so the concentrates, they say, are better because that has a little bit more of the fat nutrients that are retained in there, but you're also getting a lower protein concentration in the concentrates. The way isolate you get a higher protein concentration. So people that are really watching like their carb intake to, like super to a super high level. I mean, whey concentrate doesn't have a lot of carbs. I mean, it has maybe like one. <laughs> right, but, but like it, the pre, the isolate has like less than one, like a half. Yeah, you know? but per serving, you're getting more protein out of it. I right. remember when, when I was in college, the... Right. Uh, giant 350 pound lineman down the hall from us. He would go through one of those giant tubs, and it w I yeah. definitely remember that it said whey isolate mm -hmm. on on his giant thing. Yeah. So the concentrates are usually like maybe 18 grams per serving of, of protein, somewhere around like 18 to 20, and the isolates are more like 20 to 25. Some even up in the realm of like 30, depending on how big of a scoop you're getting. All right. So you get more protein. You out get of it. more protein out of it, right? So those are some of the differences, just so that you guys can kind of understand. I know these were questions that I had, so I just thought I would talk about it really quick so that you could um, get that information in case there was something that you had a question about too. But again, we will link to all of this in the show notes, especially if you're out on your run right now and you didn't want to, you know, can't remember the difference between the two. We'll, we'll put it all in the show notes as well as the link to some of the protein powders that kind of fit um, better standards in our opinion. 
and taste good because we've tried them. Yeah. Well, this one, this new one that I found, we still have to try. So I have to, I have to order it from Amazon. We might be changing our, our recommendation after we try it. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> so anyway. All right, guys. So for our show notes and the links to all this, um, we you can check out the website, realliferunners.com. We hope that you found this conversation valuable. Um, we didn't really talk yet, though, about the um, people that are trying to put more weight on and trying to, to maintain their weight. Well, we talked about making sure that you're getting um, – extra servings that if if you struggle to eat a large meal mm-hmm. um i know that i don't feel great after i try and put down a large meal you're always often like oh we used to have a little bit more of this or have some more sweet potatoes or have another scoop of this i'm like i i, I don't want to eat that right now yeah. i i am full yeah but you're usually very good about like having a snack after we put the girls to bed i almost always like we have dinner around six and then i'll go have like a significant snack around like eight thirty once the girls are asleep right so. so you just have to eat more frequently throughout the day. So if, if you are one of the uh, wonderful people like Kevin that have a hard time keeping weight on... That was not the word you used earlier. What, wonderful? <laughs> yes. <laughs> then the the basically you kind of have to reverse our recommendations. I mean, you don't want to reverse the, the strength training and all that stuff because all that is still important. You still want to incorporate strength training. You still want to mix up your workouts because those things are just going to be very beneficial for your health, for your running, for your strength, and all of that is very important. But as far as your eating goes, you are going to want to eat more carbohydrates. People that are trying to lose weight are typically eating a little bit less. Uh, you know, we still think carbohydrates are important for everybody, but you're going to want to eat more carbohydrates. And you might even want to eat some processed carbohydrates. I know, like, oh no, shock, right? But eating some processed carbs can help to keep that weight on. So like white rice, white bread, like some of those things can help you maintain that weight. Don't go crazy with it. Don't make that the staple of your diet. You still need to try to base your your um, eating around whole minimally processed foods, but then adding in a little bit of those things, especially right after you run can be very helpful. Like trying to keep, keep those processed carbs within that post run meal is a very good idea. Yeah. Cause if, if you're burning quickly, one of the things that you're burning quickly is those carbs. So right. if you put in if you follow up your workout with with a post run decent sized snack that is strongly car- carbohydrate based mm-hmm. you're going to burn almost all of those calories off immediately right and your body has an increased sensitivity to insulin in the post-workout meal as well. So your body actually processes carbohydrates much more efficiently right after you work out. And if you struggle to keep your weight on, your body processes carbohydrates remarkably efficiently anyway. Right. So if you add in some extra you know, processed carbs right then, that's going to help to keep your carbs a little bit more um, stocked up, I guess. Sounds like a granola bar after every run. Yeah. Sounds like <laughs> absolutely <laughs> something like that. All right, so we hope that this information was helpful. This is a little bit of a longer episode, so hopefully you guys appreciated that and you appreciate the information that we have in here. So again, for the information and for links, head over to the website realliferunners.com. Thank you guys as always for joining us today, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.